Good morning, and welcome to the Sunday stream at Flat Creek Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you've joined us today, whether you're watching online or you are joining us on Glory FM 97.5. We are grateful for you being here today, and we look forward to worshiping alongside of you this morning. God bless you, and enjoy the stream. Are you excited we get to worship a risen Savior this morning? Well, we got a few people excited. I tell you what, let's go ahead and stand and let's sing this first song together, Joy to the World.
middle of the sanctuary uh, for Miss Megan Brannon. Uh, Miss Megan and Mr. Zach here. Megan's having a baby this afternoon. Uh, she's going to uh, be induced here in just a little while. And I said, Zach, you didn't have to bring her to church, man. Y'all could have took the morning off. He said, he said, no, someone must be born of the, of, the, of the water and the spirit. And I said, amen. So we want to say a special prayer over Megan. So if you guys could just kind of extend your hand back here toward the Brandon family. Also, as we pray for them this morning, our Golden Corral Senior Adult Choir, they are out on mission slash ministry this morning at Central Baptist singing in their service over there. So many of our folks are kind of on mission this morning in another location. So we want to pray over them as well. So let's pray this morning. Uh, Lord, just want to come before you today and tell you thank you for the opportunity to come to this place of worship. Uh, Lord, as we celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ, and we think about this time of the year, we celebrate a little baby that was born 2,000 years ago. Uh, a little baby that grew into a man and died on the cross for our sins, resurrecting, ascending to the right hand of the Father. And Lord, I, I can't help but think 2,000 years ago, what those townspeople must have thought as Mary walked through the streets with that little baby inside of her and how she had the hope of the gospel. She had the hope of eternity resting in her. She had the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we have Megan Brandon, Lord, we have Zach, we have their family here. We love them so much. They're just, just intertwined into the fabric of the family here at Flat Creek. And uh, in just a, a few moments, Lord, she's going to be going to the hospital. And in just the next 24, 36 hours, uh, the world is going to be introduced to little Asher Brannon. And Lord, right now, we do not know who that little boy is going to grow to be. Might grow to be the President of the United States. Might grow to be the CEO of a company. Might, might grow to, uh, to, to be a a maintenance man might grow to remodel homes, might even grow to be a minister, a pastor, a missionary, telling people of the hope that is found only in Christ Jesus. But God, what we want to pray over Megan right now is that she goes to the hospital this afternoon and her body goes through childbirth, that God, you'd bring this little baby boy into the world and uh, that all of us would rejoice at the miracle of this child. And God, we pray that uh, that this little baby boy, uh, God, would be a blessing to the nations. We pray for those doctors and all administering care. Uh, that, Lord, they would be able to deliver this little baby healthy and happily. Uh, and this little baby would come home in a few days and we'd get to, to meet him. Uh, little Asher Brandon, what a joy he's going to bring to so many. So we put this family in your hands. Also want to pray for our Golden Corral this morning as they're off on ministry assignment, singing at Central Baptist Church. Pray for Brother Mike Taylor, their pastor. Pray today that many souls will be transformed by the work uh, that they do today at Central Baptist. And all things, God, we pray you'd move in our midst and change lives. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen. Uh, we are so glad that you are here today at Flat Creek Baptist Church. You might be here 
for the very first time. And if you are in your pews, you're gonna find a green connections card. If you could take that out, fill the information out for us. And on your way out the double doors to your left, you're gonna see a connections desk there, just a little visitor center. If you could take that connections card with you, that's our way to connect with you during the week and come alongside of you and your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. What we like to do at this time of the service, we're a big family here at Flat Creek. We like to have a time of fellowship where we shake hands and hug the necks of those around us. But what I want you to do today is I want you to look around. I want you to identify maybe somebody you've never seen before. And I want you to make sure that you shake their hand and welcome them to Flat Creek today. As we continue our time of worship with a time of fellowship, if you'll rise to your feet and shake the hands of those around you today. celebrate when we come to church we don't have to go through some priest or prophet or some other 
weird stuff. We just get to come and worship. How exciting is that? Can you imagine what that must have felt like, though, for Mary when Jesus came? And, you know, Pastor Zach said it in his sermon last week. It's one of the great mysteries of the gospel. Jesus, 100% God and 100% man at the same time. It's not really meant for us to figure out, I don't think. I think it'll just become clear when we see him in glory. But listen, that's the theme of this hymn. We're in his presence today because he's promised us that. But we're going to see him with our own eyes one day in glory. Let's sing this hymn, I Stand Amazed in the Presence.
Savior's love for me. Glory to God. Praise Him so much. Thank you. You may be seated.
Lord a big hand today. Thank you so much. Praise team. Wow, at this time, if you are kindergarten through fifth grade and pre-registered for Children's Church, you can be dismissed to behind the piano and our Children's Church workers will meet you right there. And we praise God for that time we had in worship this morning. And, uh, you know, there, you just don't know, you just don't know week to week how much time um, is put into uh, the, the crafting, I guess you would say, how much time and prayers go into the organization of a worship service. But I'm so thankful for Brother Caleb Lang and his diligence to pray and to really just seek the face of God. I love his heart. He says, we're not going to sing a song just for the sake of singing a song. We're going to sing songs that glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And I praise God for that. If you'll turn your Bibles to John chapter 1, John chapter 1. Now I'm going to tell you a true, a true story real quick. Just happened right there on the front row. They were singing, what child is this? I, I whispered in June's ear. I said, this is my favorite Christmas song. And she looked back and said, mine's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. <laughs> that is a true story. Just happened. Oh, man. <laughs> we're teaching them something right, ain't we, Mama? Absolutely. Uh, John chapter 1 today, we're going to continue in this series entitled Only Jesus. And I want to bring a message to you today entitled, entitled The Savior we need. And I want you to listen to what John records in John 1, beginning in verse 45 through 51. It says here that Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. What a wonderful day of worship this has been. Whether we've been here in the 11 o'clock service or the 8.30 service or Sunday school, Lord, it has just been good to gather with the saints this morning and to just sing your praises, to learn more about you, to dive deep into your word. And now we come to that most blessed time of the service where we open up your holy word and and look at what the bible is teaching us today lord this message only jesus the savior we need i pray that it would resonate in the hearts of the hearer and that there would be anyone under the sound of my voice whether they're in person online listening on the radio or maybe even listening later in the week that if they would hear the words of this message and come to a realization that they need Jesus, that they would respond accordingly 
and give their hearts to you as Savior and Lord. Father, we just dedicate the rest of this time to you and ask you to move in a mighty way. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The story is told of Albert Einstein, who one afternoon got on a train to travel from the city of Princeton. Just after the train hit the tracks and began to move, uh, the conductor came down through the train doing what conductors do, coming to verify the tickets and to punch the tickets. And when he got to Albert Einstein, Einstein could not find his boarding pass. So he reached into his pocket. He couldn't find it there. He reached into his pants pockets. He couldn't find it there. He looked in his briefcase. He still couldn't find it. He searched the seat beside him and nowhere was his ticket to be found. The conductor finally said to him, Dr. Einstein, I know who you are. We all know who you are. I'm sure that you bought a ticket. Don't worry about it. And so the conductor traveled on through the car punching tickets and just before he was to go to the next car he turned around and he noticed that Albert Einstein was down on his hands and knees looking under his seat for his ticket. The conductor ran back to him and said Dr. Einstein, Dr. Einstein I told you don't worry I know who you are there's no problem sir you don't need a ticket. To which Einstein responded young man I too know who I am. What I don't know is where I'm going. <laughs> Friends, may I remind you of this one simple truth? We're all going somewhere. I've stood in this pulpit many times and told you that within 100 years, every single person in this room will be somewhere. All of us are going to be living in eternity in one of two destinations. And the choice is yours this morning as to where you will spend your eternity. And the question is this, do you know where you're going? You see, across the ages, there have been many different religions, many different religious gurus, all eager to prove that they hold the key of salvation, that they hold the key to eternal life. And I want to just kind of briefly, if I can, put some of these under the microscope. If you were here today and you are of the religion of Judaism, you remember that Judaism began in Israel and it spread all over the known world. The Jews were God's chosen people. And to this day, Jews believe that they are saved just by virtue of being born a Jew, just being born a part of that nation. Islam teaches that salvation is accomplished by practicing and repeating the five pillars, fasting, pilgrimage, giving of alms, prayer, and confessing Muhammad as the prophet. And the belief is that if you just continue in these things all of your life, that on the day of judgment, you will be saved. However, one thing to note is all Muslims will tell you that they're never actually sure of their salvation because when they stand before Allah, he will judge their good deeds against their bad deeds. And even if they practice all these things all their life, if he finds some insufficiency on the day of judgment, they are doomed forever. In Hinduism, the way of salvation is by eliminating evil in your life until you are pure enough to merge 
with what is known as the Brahma. He is the greatest of the Hindu 300 million gods. This ridding of yourself of all evil comes through a cycle of reincarnation until you finally reach that goal. In Buddhism, the idea of salvation is that the elimination of desire leads to eternal bliss. And the final state that a person is trying to reach is a state of unconsciousness as one is absorbed into the greater being. And this is accomplished through meditation, religious practice, and asceticism. And then you have Christianity. In Christianity, salvation is a free gift from God based on faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the belief that his vicarious death on the cross pays mankind's debt for their moral sin. The Christian belief is that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Now, friends, I wanted to put all of these different beliefs of these major world religions on the table for you this morning for one purpose. It is impossible for all these roads to lead to the same destination. You see, just a brief overview that I just gave you shows us that there are serious fundamental differences between each of these major world religions. I'm reminded of theologian R.C. Sproul, who once said the following. He said, I cannot imagine an affirmation that would meet with more resistance from contemporary Westerners as the affirmation of Jesus being the exclusive Savior of humanity. This declaration is downright un-American, he said. We have been inundated with the viewpoint that there are many roads that lead to heaven. And God is not so narrow-minded that he would require strict allegiance to just one way. Friends, if I could break it down simply for you this morning, this is what you need to know. Every religion that I just mentioned to you, all of them, they all put the brunt of responsibility in your lap. The burden is on you. The burden is on you to do something, perform something, achieve something, do something so extraordinary that you find yourself worthy of salvation and eternal life. Christianity is the exact opposite. Christianity is the only religion that says that the offer and the burden of salvation rests solely with God. That you and I can do nothing to deserve or accomplish salvation. Friends, to me, this is the most beautiful part of what we believe. And this is what truly to me, proves that it's God's way. You see, it goes the exact opposite of our human thought. You see, what did I tell you last week? If we were to create a way to save people, we would do it the same way as all these other major world religions. It satisfies the longing in the human heart. We would say, work your way to heaven. We esteem salvation as so great a reward that we say it cannot be free. And so all these religions satisfy that longing to earn salvation. But friends, just as we have learned in Romans, the Bible is emphatic. You and I cannot save ourselves. We need a Savior. 
And as we learned last week, since the fall of the garden, the hope of the Messiah has resonated down through the ages. All people throughout all ages are looking for the one who will come and crush the head of the serpent. One who will come and save us from our sin. Friends, I want you to know today that there is only one who can save us. This one being the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the Savior we need. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now, there's a few things from the text this morning that I want to put before you, a few observations that I believe kind of will bring this point home to you, that Jesus is the Savior we need. So, looking at the text today, I want you to know, number one, that only Jesus is worthy of our exclamation. Only Jesus is worthy of our exclamation. Now, just when our first service was over at uh, about 940, I went downstairs to youth Sunday school class. And when I got into youth Sunday school class, a little group of girls were sitting over here and a large group of guys were sitting over here. And that large group of guys, you know what they were talking about? They were talking about Georgia versus Alabama. As a matter of fact, I've been here at Flat Creek all day today since 6, 15, 6.30 this morning, and all I've heard is Georgia and Alabama, and now all I'm hearing is who's going to make the college football playoffs. Now listen to what I'm going to say to you. I know they're going to reveal that at 12 o'clock. If I see you looking at your phone, we're going we're gonna to have something to talk about, okay? But no, listen, listen. Now, I don't want you to, I want you to hear me wrong. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. I'm not knocking anybody because here's the truth. Here's the truth. I love the Clemson Tigers and I'll talk to, about Clemson all day long. If you, if you meet me on the front porch today and want to talk to me about what I think is going on with Clemson football, I'll talk to you all afternoon about it. I'm not knocking it. What I want to say to you is this. We talk about the things that we love. We talk about the things that we believe in. Now, let me ask you this question. How much do you talk about Jesus? Not, not knocking the conversation. I'm just asking, how much do you talk about Jesus? You see, here's the thing. If we love Jesus, if we actually believe in Jesus, we will most certainly talk about Jesus. In fact, I would argue that there should be no name more frequently heard from our mouths than the name of Jesus. Now I want you to just listen to those in John 1 who spoke about Jesus. And I want you to listen to what they exclaimed, but I also want you to notice how one person's exclamation leads to another person being saved. And then how that person's exclamation leads to another person being saved. And then so on and so on and so on. Friends, we, we come up with all these church growth strategies, all these programs, all these things, and pay thousands and thousands of dollars of how to grow a church. Can I tell you, it's so simple. Just tell somebody about Jesus. That's it. One person leading another person. As I told Brother Terry Tinkle before the first service, it's as simple as this. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's it. Listen to the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 13 through 17. 
There, the Apostle Paul would say, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news, of those who bring the gospel of good things. Friends, never be ashamed to talk about Jesus. Just be faithful to tell somebody today and God will do the rest. That's the story of John 1. Listen beginning in verse 35. Just listen. It says again the next day John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said behold the Lamb of God. What's he doing? He's just exclaiming. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He says it in the presence of two of his disciples and look at the result. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. I mean, isn't that the most miraculous thing? <laughs> One man said, behold, the Lamb of God, and two men followed. It, it's, it's not rocket science. It's so easy. Now listen to what the Bible says. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said, come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in the room that day with those two disciples as they sat at the feet of Jesus and just listened to him talk? And here it says, verse 40, one of the two heard John speak and followed him. And this one's name was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And listen to what it says. He found first his own brother Simon. What did he do? He just went and told Simon, the word for found in the Greek is, it means the same thing as it means in the English after searching to find the thing that is sought. You might think about the Lord Jesus who in Matthew 13, 44 said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid again and from joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. And he goes on to say, and the, the, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he goes and sells all that he had and he bought the field. And so what we see here is just one man finding another man, finding another man and just telling him about Jesus, telling him about the good news. This word found is, is in verse 41, it's in verse 43, it's in verse 45 multiple times. And look at what the Bible says. It says here in verse number 42 uh, that he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And the next day he purposed to go into Galilee, speaking of Jesus. And he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. And then listen to Philip. Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew and Peter. And what's it say? Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him. Now, some of your translations might say it like this. We have found the one. We have found him, Philip said, of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. We have found the one. Only one. We have found him, Philip says. 
of whom Moses wrote about. Now you go back in your Bibles, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all five written by Moses, and all five are filled with messianic hope, messianic types, and messianic symbols. But I want you to remember something that Moses prophesied. I want you to jump back to the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 18. Deuteronomy chapter number 18. And I want you to listen to what Moses said there. Deuteronomy 18, beginning in verse 15, reading down to verse 19. Here he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. And this is according to all that you ask of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore or I will die. The Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I commanded him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So you got to understand that all the Jews in seeking the Messiah, they were seeking one that would come and be like unto Moses. As a matter of fact, they were seeking one not only that would be like unto Moses, but one that would be greater than Moses himself. And let me ask you a question. Is there any person who's ever lived that's greater than Moses? Only one, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me remind you that when Moses stepped up to the Red Sea, he said, be quiet and see the salvation of the Lord. And upon putting his staff in the water, the Red Sea parted and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. Let me remind you that when Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee, he didn't need it to part so that he could walk across on dry ground. He just walked across the water. They remind you this morning that when the Israelites were complaining because they were thirsty and about to die, Moses struck a rock and water came out. But let me remind you of what Jesus told the woman at the well. He says, anyone who comes to me and drinks of the living water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. Let me remind you that Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years and every morning he commanded that God said there would be manna on the ground in the morning for them to eat. But Jesus said that he is the bread that came down out of heaven. Jesus greater than Moses. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Listen to what he says in Hebrews chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was in all his house. For he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were spoken later. But Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. Philip says, we have found him. We have found the one that Moses wrote about, not just Moses, but we have found the one that the prophets wrote about. Now let me remind you that last Christmas we talked about this, so I won't get into all the details, but there was once a statistician who sat down to try to figure out 
the, the statistical probability of one man fulfilling the over 300 messianic prophecies that are recorded in the Old Testament. And this statistician sat down and he said that the mathematical probability of one man fulfilling just eight of the messianic prophecies is statistically almost impossible. The mathematical probability of one man fulfilling 48 would be a statistical anomaly. But the mathematical probability of one man fulfilling the over 300 messianic prophecies, he said the likelihood of this is impossible unless the person who fulfills them is of divine origin and he himself is the driving force behind the fulfillment. Philip says we have found him that Moses and the prophets, everyone from Moses to Isaiah to Jeremiah to Daniel to Hosea to Habakkuk to Obadiah to Nathan to Joel to Jonah to Malachi to John the Baptist, we have found him that they all talked about. Amen. What a beautiful text this is. Only one. Amen. Only one. We found him. Notice, singular, we didn't find many of them. We didn't find many roads. We found the one. Remember Galatians 6, 16, where Paul writes, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say and to Abraham's seeds as referring to many, but rather one and to your seed, which is Christ. And you'll notice verse 46. Verse 46, Nathaniel says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Now friends, you got to understand that Nazareth is not found anywhere in prophecy. Galilee is found. And Nazareth is a city inside the region of Galilee, but Nazareth isn't mentioned. As a fact, Nazareth was the armpit of Jewish society. And so here is Nathaniel from Bethsaida, and he's looking down on the people from Nazareth, even though Bethsaida is also in Galilee, and Galilee is looked down upon by the Jewish religious elect. And so here is one guy who's looked down upon, looking at another guy and saying he's not sufficient. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what Nathaniel didn't realize is that he was actually fulfilling prophecy and just uttering those words. Remember Isaiah 53 verse 3. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. The very mention of the town Nazareth, Nathaniel initially despises him and initially rejects him. But listen to what Philip says. You got to love it. Philip says, come and see. Friends, we, we, we do all this stuff. We prepare apologetically. We prepare through evangelism explosion. We, we prepare through witnessing bracelets and all these things, getting geared up to tell somebody about Jesus. But you will notice that Philip did not debate. He didn't get into an argument. He didn't say, Nathaniel, let's sit down and let's search and see, does the Messiah come from Nazareth? He doesn't do any of those things. He just gives a simple, straightforward invitation. Just come and see. Friends, can I tell you today, that's the great invitation of the scriptures. Just come. Whether it's Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened. Or whether it's the apostle John in Revelation saying, all who are thirsty should come. 
the great invitation of scriptures just to come. And you'll notice he says, come and see. And that's what I want to say to you this morning. Come and see him exalted. Come and see him humiliated. Come and see him suffering on the cross. Come and see him resurrected. Come and see him ascended. Come and see him in his glorious return. Just come to him. Just come and see. And I love this because what is Philip actually saying here? I mean, if you go back to John 1 verse 1, remember that John there says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And John is referring to the Word of God, referring to Jesus himself, because in John 1.14, he says, the Word became flesh and took up residence among us. What's he saying when he says, come and see? What's he saying is this, the one that Moses wrote about, the one that Moses talked about, the one that Moses prophesied, the one that all those others prophesied, the one that we've read about all our life is standing in our midst. We can actually go right now, Nathaniel, and we can see him. We can go and we can lay our eyes on him. We can go talk to him. Just come along with me. Friends, if I just stopped right there, I mean, that's a sermon in itself. But there's so much more that I want you to see. So let's move on. Second observation. Only Jesus can meet our deepest need. Amen. Only Jesus can meet our deepest need. Let me ask you a question. What's your deepest need today? You know, I told the first service this, and, and I just want you real quick, just glance around. Just glance around you. And I want you to, to think about something. Now, now you got folks here that might be your family. And you got a few people here that might be your close friends. But for the majority of the time, if you look around right now, I would say that 98% of the people that you see in this room right now, you have no fellowship with outside of today. You see them on Sundays, but unless you may run into them at the QT, you don't see them any other time. Yet you walk in on Sunday mornings, we all do this, we all walk in and, man, we've got on our Sunday best. We look the part, we sing the part, we sound the part. When somebody says, how are you doing? We say, man, I'm doing great. But as your pastor, knowing so many of you in this room and knowing you personally, can I just say this, there's some hurt. There's some, some brokenness in this room today. What's your deepest need? Jesus is the only one who can see and meet our deepest need. Is your deepest need today salvation? Is your deepest need today assurance of salvation? Is it peace? What's your greatest need? You see here this beautiful text that Philip says, come and see. And what do we see here? We see two friends walking together to Jesus. Philip leading the way. I mean, I can just imagine the excitement. You're not going to believe it, Nathaniel, when you see him, man. You're not going to believe this guy. And as soon as Jesus sees Nathaniel coming over the hilltop, what does Jesus say in verse 47? When he sees Nathaniel, he says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. 
Now you look at that text and you have to ask yourself the question, what is, what is Jesus really saying to Nathaniel here? Because you'll notice Nathaniel's answer, how do you know me? And so this even took Nathaniel by surprise that Jesus would, would, would approach him in this way. What is Jesus actually saying? Well, you have to get down into the, to the real to the real Greek text and those things to really find out what is going on here. But you have to ask yourself this question, where does the name Israel come from? Well, you remember way back in the book of Genesis, there's this story of Jacob. Jacob, the name means hill grabber. And we remember that Jacob was a swindler, he was a conniver, he was a manipulative man. He was always doing anything he could do to just get a leg up to just get what he wanted. He didn't care who he had to step on in order to get it. But you remember that night after he had been on the run for all those years, he comes back into the land, he crosses the fort at Jabuk, he puts his whole family on one side of the river, and he goes to the other side by himself. And that night, the Bible says that a man got a hold of him. And come to find out, the one that got a hold of him was God himself, and he wrestles with God all night long. And just as the sun was coming up, Jacob latches a hold. The angel of the Lord being literally Jesus himself says, you got to let go of me. And Jacob says, I won't let go until you bless me. And God says, what's your name? He says, my name is Jacob. And literally what he's saying, now we get into all kinds of stuff there, but, but literally what he's saying is, I'm Jacob, you see all of me. I'm the manipulator, I'm the conniver, I'm the schemer, it's me, it's Jacob. And at that moment, God touches his hip socket, dislocates it, and says, your name henceforth will be Israel. And literally, what Jesus says to Nathanael is this, a true Israelite indeed in whom there is no Jacob. He's saying of Nathanael, here is one who has the proper spiritual posture of heart. He has no guile. Why? Because he's come to the same faith of Jacob and he's come to the same faith as Abraham. How do we know? Because Romans 4 tells us, blessed is the man whose lawless deeds have been forgiven, whose sins have been covered. How is it that Jesus can say of Nathaniel, there's no guile in this man. There's no deceit in this man. There's no Jacob in this man. It's because Nathaniel had faith in the coming Messiah. Nathaniel was looking for him. Nathaniel was searching for him. He wasn't looking for Nazareth, but he was searching. He was looking. So Jesus says, in this man there is no deceit. And Nathaniel says, how do you know me? And I want you to listen to what Jesus says. Speaking of Jesus seeing our deepest need, Jesus says to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathaniel answered a peculiar response. I mean, just a moment ago, he says, nothing good comes from Nazareth. But now, upon Jesus saying, I saw you under the fig tree, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Well, what on earth happened under the fig tree? That's the question of the hour, isn't it? I mean, why does Nathaniel respond in the way that he does when Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree? Well, guys, there's all kinds of different ideas out there. 
all kinds. But I'm going to give you my three most favorite, okay, real quickly. Because these three bless my heart, and I think they'll bless yours. Number one, number one, you remember in Matthew chapter 2, after Jesus is born, the wise men come, and they seek him out. And they go to Herod, and they tell Herod where the Messiah is going to be born. And what does Herod do? He makes a decree and says that all baby boys under a certain age in the district of Bethlehem must die. Why? He's trying to exterminate the royal line. He doesn't want any threat to his throne. And there is an early Christian belief that when that decree went out, that Nathaniel's mama heard of the decree and took him out of her house and hid him underneath a fig tree. And that it was underneath that fig tree when Herod's soldiers came and they came to search him out that they did not find Nathaniel and that he escaped being killed by Herod's army. Now, if that's true, you can imagine that all of Nathaniel's life, he probably heard his mama saying this, God has a purpose for your life. If God didn't have a purpose for your life, Nathaniel, you would have died when Herod came through the land. But you didn't die. God has something for you. In fact, Nathaniel, I believe the time is right, and I believe the Messiah is about to come, and I believe that you're going to have something to do with his kingdom. And perhaps Nathaniel had grown weary of waiting. And perhaps Nathaniel was wondering, will the Messiah show up? I mean, I'm a little bit older now, and maybe there is no purpose for my life. Maybe that morning he was pondering on those words from Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. And maybe Nathaniel was thinking, well, is it ever going to happen? And just then, Jesus shows up and says, hey, when you were under the fig tree, when your mama hid you from King Herod, I saw you. It was my hand that sovereignly protected you and has brought you to this moment to which Nathaniel says, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. There's a second idea. Augustine says that the fig tree or the fig leaves is what covered the shame of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So the fig tree comes to resemble some sort of sin that Nathaniel had gotten caught up in. And maybe Nathaniel was ashamed and possibly felt that he had sinned so much that he was separated from God forever. And just as in the Garden of Eden, they hide themselves beyond the trees and, and God comes walking through the garden and says, Adam, where are you? And then tells of the, the seed crushing Messiah that, or the, the serpent crushing Messiah that's going to come. And then God sacrifices an innocent animal and covers their sin with, the, with the, the skins of this animal that is possible that Jesus was saying to Nathaniel, you think that you've sinned and separated yourself from a holy God forever, but understand, just as John is proclaiming, I am the Lamb of God who's come to lay down my life and I will cover your shame and I will cover your sin. You don't have to be under the fig tree anymore, Nathaniel. And some of you are right there. You're in that same place. You're thinking that your sin has caused you to be separated and that God can never use you. He has come and suffered on your behalf. 
He is resurrected from the dead so that you can be reconciled to God, be used by him, and have the hope of eternal life. And at that, Nathaniel says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. The third belief is simple. The third belief is just that Nathaniel was simply sitting under a fig tree contemplating the Scriptures. And he was diligently seeking and searching the Messiah. He was reading the times and reading all the, the things that the prophets had said. And he was praying and saying, God, if, if the Messiah is coming, then, then would you reveal him to me so that I can know that he's here and that he was doing all these things under the shade of a fig tree. And so when Jesus says, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you, he's literally saying, Nathaniel, when you were praying about my identity, Nathaniel, when you were the under the fig tree and you were looking for me when you were searching for me I saw you and the one that you long for is now standing before you to which Nathaniel says Rabbi you are the son of God you are the king of Israel he sees your deepest need you see here's the truth the Holy Spirit determined that it was not for us to know what Nathaniel was doing or thinking under the fig tree. It's all conjecture, but one thing is true. Upon hearing those words, Nathaniel was convinced that only the Messiah would have had the omniscience to know the deepest need and the deepest desire of his heart. For whatever was going on was done in secret and nobody else would have known it except for God. And let me remind you that the Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just as he saw Nathaniel where he was and knew the need of the man, even so much as knowing this seemingly minuscule moment in his life when he was sitting under a fig tree. So the Lord Jesus Christ sees you today and he cares about you deeply. He meets us where we are because he sees through the eyes of divine omniscience and knows exactly what you need. Now, number three, we're going to move on fast. Number three, only Jesus is worthy of our worship. Amen. Only Jesus is worthy of our worship. Listen to Nathaniel's response. I saw you under the fig tree. Rabbi, you are the son of God. He recognizes his divinity. He is now in the posture of worship. You are the only begotten of the Father. You are the second person of the Godhead. You are divine yourself. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel, recognizes His humanity. You are the rightful King. You are the Messiah of David. You are the one we long for. You are the one we've waited for. You are the Messiah indeed. Friends, what you are witnessing in the text is nothing short of Nathaniel's salvation. How do we know? Because the Bible tells us in the book of Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And you jump over there to Matthew chapter number 16. 
Matthew 16, I quoted it a few weeks ago, is in that moment of Caesarea Philippi, that Jesus is passing through the area and he says those famous words, who do the people say that I, the Son of Man, am? Well, you are Elijah. You're one of the prophets. You're Jeremiah. And then Jesus says, but you, who do you say that I am? And you remember that it was in that moment in Matthew chapter number 16, verse 16, that Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. What he's saying there is, Pete, or is what he's saying there is, Simon, son of John, what has just happened in your life is illumination of the Holy Spirit. This is special revelation. This is not natural revelation. You couldn't come to this conclusion on your own. Only the Holy Spirit could get you to come to this conclusion. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. It's exactly what happened to Nathaniel in John chapter number 1. This is special revelation. This is something only the Holy Spirit could confirm in the heart. He was hit with illumination by the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice what Jesus says in Matthew 16. I also say that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, friends, I could get into all kinds of details there. And I won't get into them right now, but all I'm going to say to you is this. The rock is not Peter. Peter, within just four verses, is rebuked by the Lord Jesus Christ and said, get behind me, Satan. The rock is not Peter. The rock is the confession of Peter. And what's the confession? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And anyone who makes this confession is a part of the ecclesia, is a part of Christ church. Nathaniel's sins are certainly covered because now he's a member of the body of Christ. Are you? You see, it was Martin Luther who once said, it is one thing to say that Christ is a Savior. It's quite another thing to say he is my Savior and my Lord. He went on to say the devil can say that Christ is a Savior, but only a Christian can say he's my Savior and my Lord. Have you made that confession, the confession of Nathaniel? You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. If you have, you're a part of the body of Christ. Your sins have been covered. In you is no guile. What a beautiful statement. Now lastly, and we'll observe this and then we'll close. Only Jesus, only Jesus can guarantee eternal life. Only Jesus is the way to salvation. Nathaniel worships and then listen to verse 50. Jesus answered and said, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And indeed, the eyes of Nathaniel will see greater things. I mean, just think about John 2 for a moment. Just a matter of days, Nathaniel is going to witness Jesus turning water into wine. Greater things. And John 4, he's going to see a Samaritan woman go and confess Christ to an entire city. And the entire city 
proclaim Jesus as Lord. In John 5, he's going to watch Jesus tell a man who's been laying by a pool for many, many years to pick up his mat and walk. In John 6, he's going to witness Jesus with just two fish and five loaves, feed 5,000 people. In John 6, he's going to watch Jesus walk on water. In John 9, he's going to be a witness of Jesus opening the eyes of the blind. In John 11, he's going to see Jesus call Lazarus out of the grave. In John 17, 18, and 19, he's going to be a witness of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ as he dies and suffers for your sin and my sin on the cross of Calvary. And in John 20, he's going to be in the room after Jesus resurrects and walks through the door. And in John 21, he's going to eat fish with him on the beach after the resurrection. Greater things indeed will Nathaniel see. But listen what he says. Truly I say to you, you will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You go all the way back to that story of Jacob one more time. And you remember right there at the beginning of the story, Jacob He steals the birthright. He takes the blessing and he goes on the run. Esau's going to kill him. And he comes to this little tiny place called Bethel. He lays down there for the night. His brother's after him. His brother's going to kill him. And Jacob takes a rock and he lays it down on the ground. And Jacob puts his head on that rock and he has a vision. And the Bible says in that vision there's a ladder or a staircase and it's It reaches from heaven to earth. And the Bible says that angels were ascending and descending on that ladder. And what has Jesus just said? You will see the heavens opened, Nathaniel. And you will see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What Jacob saw in the book of Genesis was a link between heaven and earth. And what Jesus says is, I am the fulfillment of that ladder. I'm the one that has come to link earth with heaven. I am the ladder. I am the way to eternal life. I am the way to salvation. In fact, you remember what Jacob said. He said, this is the most blessed place. This is the gate of heaven. And what does Jesus say in John 10? He says, I am the door. Amen. And what does John say in Revelation 4? Behold, an open door. And that's what I say to all of you this morning. There's an open door. There's a way. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus right here in John 1 is saying to Nathaniel and saying to us all, I am the exclusive way. There's no other way. Don't look any further. Don't go to another religion. Don't go to another master. Don't go to another guru. Don't go to another prophet. Don't go for another sacrifice. Just come to me. It's all fulfilled in me. I am the link. I am the ladder. I am the way. I am the door. So the question is, have you come this way? Because Jesus is The only way. He is the Savior we need. I close with this little paragraph that was written in the 1700s by a man named John Dyer. He was a poet. This is what he wrote. He said, a man may go to heaven without wealth, 
A man may go to heaven without riches. A man may go to heaven without honors. A man may go to heaven without learning. A man may go to heaven without friends. But no one can ever go to heaven without Christ. Today, the world is filled with people who are seeking some other way to God than the one found in the blood of Jesus and his precious name. But all such efforts are bound to failure. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the Savior you need this morning. Heads bowed and eyes closed as Brother Caleb comes to lead us in a time of invitation, a, a beautiful song that's been sung all over the world for many years, just as I am. I know how some people think. They think, well, this is a Savior for somebody else, not a Savior for me. What's the title of the message? The Savior we need. He's the Savior for everybody. And what is that invitation? Just come and see. Just come. Just come and see. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you come? Come as you are. Just come to Jesus. We're going to have this invitation time. We do this every Sunday, as is our custom. And this is an opportunity for you to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Caleb, as he begins to lead us in this song, if you are here today and want to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the very first time, I'm going to ask you to take a very bold step. I'm going to ask you to step out of the aisle, whether you're in the balcony or down on the floor. And I'm going to ask you to step out of the aisle and I'm going to ask you to come down here, right here to the front. I'm going to ask you to take me by the hand and just say to me, Pastor, I need to give my life to Christ. Here's the thing. We've been praying for you. We've been praying over your salvation. And I believe that today is the day that the Lord Jesus has appointed you to be here so that you might confess him as Christ and Lord and Messiah and be saved forever. And so we're going to sing Just As I Am. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet at this time. For the sake of time, we're going to sing one verse. One verse. So you need to move quickly if you want to come. You come. If the Lord Jesus is dealing with your heart and you want to be saved, you come. Brother Caleb. Just as I am without one plea, won't you come this but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to Give the Lord a big hand today. We're praising for his faithfulness. Listen, I want to make sure that you got a few announcements you need to know, okay? Um, your bulletin says that there's going to be a budget meeting at 5 o'clock tonight. That's actually going to be at 6, okay? Um, so come at 6 o'clock for that budget meeting. We announced it at 6 last week. We announced it at 6 at 8.30 this morning. So it's going to be at 6 o'clock tonight. So if you show up at 5, you're going to be an hour early, which that's fine. Come in here and pray. Um, but 6 o'clock, you want to be back here tonight. If you are interested in the budget, church budget, those things for 2024, be back here at 6 p.m. tonight for the budget meeting. Uh, also, please don't forget that next Sunday night, uh, our choir will be performing their, uh, their Christmas musical. 
It's a night of worship that's going to start at 5 p.m., okay, next Sunday evening. So you want to make sure that you're here for that. It's going to be a great time of worship. And guess what? There's going to be a Christmas meal to follow. We know how to get you to come back on Sunday night, give you something to eat. That's going to be next Sunday night. The following Sunday night, December 17th, a real special time here in the sanctuary, we're going to be having what's called a night of encouragement. Okay, you look around, you see all these decorations. And for many of us, this is the happiest time of the year. But there are some folks in this congregation right now that this year, that this season is not the happiest. Uh, it is a heartbreaking time because you're reminded of loved ones that have passed on. Maybe you have children that have moved thousands of miles away and you can't see them at Christmas time. And so we've designed a night for you to come and to be here so that we can encourage you during this Christmas season. Now, you might be one of those people who this is the happiest time of the year. We want you to come that night, too, because you might be able to put your arm around somebody and encourage them. There'll be worship that night. We're going to have a special message that evening from our children's director, Breeze Sproul, and, and it's going to be just a great, great evening. And then, of course, Christmas Eve, okay? Make sure you mark it. Christmas Eve, two services or really three, nine and 11 on Sunday morning, not 8.30, nine and 11 on Sunday morning, Christmas Eve, no Sunday school in between, and then a five o'clock Christmas Eve service that evening, okay? So you want to mark your calendars for all those things. We want to keep you informed so you know where to be and when. Listen, don't forget, we're taking up our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Our Christmas offering goal this year is $60,000. That goes to International Mission Board missionaries. If you'd like to give to Flat Creek, you can give on your way out the door, give online at flatcreekchurch.net. Also, Bella is here. Bella, come right here. Bella is a missionary from Flat Creek. She's about to go out on the world race, okay? And she is raising money to be able to go on that in January. She's going to be going to six countries in 11 months, okay? If you'd like to talk to Bella, how you can come alongside of her. She has a table outside the doors this morning. Go and talk to her, and she'll be more than happy to tell you how to come alongside of her. So thank you, Bella. All right, this time, Brother Caleb, you close us with a word of prayer. We love you guys. We'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. God bless. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to gather with our church family just to worship you, to magnify you, and exalt you together. Lord, I pray as we go our separate ways for further safety on the roads with all the water and the rain, we thank you for it. But Lord, I thank you for the sermon this morning. I thank you for the evidence of the joy in Pastor Zach's life to tell people about you, to bring us to a closer walk with you and to train us to go out and make better disciples for you. Lord, I pray that'd be our goal, to point people to you wherever we are. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sunday stream here at Flat Creek Baptist Church in Gainesville, Georgia. I am Pastor Zach Williams and it is a great honor to have you join us through our online platform. It is our belief here at Flat Creek Baptist that you should be connected to a local congregation. And so if you are in the Gainesville, Georgia area, we want to encourage you to come out and be a part 
of what God is doing in our midst. There's nothing like being connected to a local body of believers. However, if you are tuning in today and you are not from the Gainesville, Georgia area and you're tuning in from some other place on earth, what we're going to encourage you to do is get attached to a local body of believers under good, sound, biblical, doctrinal preaching so that you can be encouraged in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and allow Flat Creek Baptist and our Sunday stream to just be a supplement to what God is doing in your life. Friends, I thank you so much once again for joining us. God bless you. And for more information, you can visit our website, flatcreekchurch.net. Oh,
Silently watched 
everyone, this is Clint Brown with Southbound, and we are wishing you and your family a very Merry Christmas. 97.5 Glory FM. A ray of hope 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia. 